Welcome to Not So Minutes of a Nice Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Jen. Today is episode 53. <laughs> yay! <laughs> I noticed that we almost always go yay after our episodes. Like, we're just so proud that we're continuing <laughs> to go on. We have more. <laughs> Woo! Oh. I know, we're getting loud again. We're having problems with our mixers, guys, or our mixer, guys. Last leg. It's on its last leg. It It is. And so we're going to start the episode with a little housekeeping. Uh, we have started our Patreon, and we I think we have maybe one person right now. Right. <laughs> um, which is completely understandable because we haven't been able to be right. consistent. Yeah. And so we were trying to brainstorm other ways that, you know, you, our listeners, can help support us. Um, especially now that our mixer is dying, um, we're going, I know, (laughs) um, we're going to need to get a new mixer to most likely even be able to continue what we're doing. Uh, so (laughs) we decided to create a couple t-shirt campaigns. Um, one of them, the first one we made, uh, it's the one that's a longer run because it's based off of my favorite favorite deal breaker ever (laughs) of course jen's robot dog deal breaker so it's a really cute shirt this is deal breaker it's a little picture of a robot dog um and then it has you know an smn pod at the bottom right uh so that is going on the links are on our social media we're going to try to tag them um in the description in this episode as well so that they're easy to find uh the t-shirts will only print if we get at least five people to uh purchase them we are at four people now because we got a purchase of both shirt options nice uh the other shirt option Well, it was me. <laughs> okay, well. Thank me. No. Thanks, Jess. I just wanted to see, like, how it worked, and oh, yeah. because I made them, I love them, so. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, the second one uh, is our little jingle yeah. um, that I randomly came up with one night. I don't know. Maybe after we were drinking too much mead. <laughs> uh, so that one is only a 15-day run. Um, it has our little jingle on it. There's t-shirts uh, for that one. There's long sleeves and hoodies. And then also for the deal breaker one, there's hoodies for that one as well. Because, I mean, we're in Minnesota. <laughs> we need the hoodies. It's getting to be hoodie weather. We could see our breaths already. Yeah. Well, today. It's a cold, rainy day. Yeah. It's going to be up in this high 70s next week again for like a couple days. I know. So. We get like <laughs> false fall yeah. and then we get actual fall for like a minute and then we get false winter and then actual winter Yeah, and then false spring. Sometimes you get all four seasons in a day. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Our temperature swings are ridiculous. Right? We have to Minnesota. It's beautiful. <laughs> we do have pretty trees. We do. That was like one of the first things that my mom said. I decided to take her on a little drive because <laughs> she was geeking out so much about all of our like foliage. Uh, so I took her for a drive uh, like around the lakes and through some of the like more forested areas and her eyes were just like big like a kid at the zoo. You know, <laughs> like you guys have so many pretty different trees. And I was like, of course. I mean, you live in southern texas right. <laughs> it is 
dry. <laughs> How's your so cacti dry. doing? Right? <laughs> if they even... How's your Xeroscape one? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, there's beautiful areas down there. But oh, anyways. Yeah, there's lots of gorgeous areas. Rock formations in the desert. Oh. Mm-hmm. For sure. Road trip. Yes. Okay. So was, we might have a reason to, to go see my mom at some point. So that might be a fun little NSM yeah. and road trip. <laughs> I think we might have to fly for that. Well, it's a I 21 mean, hour drive. We'll just be delirious. Or like 20, fun. maybe 25 to get all the way down there. <laughs> <laughs> Half the time we'll be driving in Texas. Oh my goodness. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that would be fun. Just kind of, you know, do Facebook live for the entire trip if we can, you know, just plug it in that might be really boring for some people <laughs> although he might sing on camera <laughs> right. just completely getting slap heavy <laughs> all right so on to the actual episode pulp fiction no don't restart on me <laughs> wait an hour thank no you computer, no <laughs> all right so yeah Yes. Okay. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Um, it was kind of painful. It was a hard one to rewatch. Yeah. Like, I remember watching it, you know, way too young in the 90s and being, like, just fascinated by it. And, like, wanting to quote, like, everything from the movie I, almost. It's like, still really quotable. It is, but it also kind of makes you feel a little silly for some of the quotes. Yes. And, like, <laughs> I don't know, because. We were talking about, you know, there's certain movies that we watched so much as a kid or teenagers or whatever that rewatching them for this was a little bit difficult. So when I rewatched it, I decided to go at it a, a slightly different way. Okay. Um, I kind of looked at it like all the things they fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited for this, this episode in, okay. in general. Uh, should we start with your fucking facts, though? I mean, of course. That's what we start with, right? Yes. 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 All right. American Crime Film, release date May 21st, 1994, the Cannes Film Festival in France. Uh, in the U.S., it was released October 14th, 1994. Runtime, 154 minutes. Budget, $8.5 million. Box office, $213.9 million. Directed by... And written by Quentin Tarantino, collaborated with Roger Avery, production company, a band apart in Jersey Films, distributor, Merrimax Films, starring a ton of people. (laughs) John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Uma Thurman, Harvey Cattell, uh, Tim Roth, Amanda Plummer, Maria del Medrio, I can't, Medrios, (laughs) Ving Rames, Eric Stoltz. (laughs) Yeah. Rosanna Arquette, Christopher Walken, Bruce Willis, just to name a few. <laughs> yeah, because there are there are multiple so names. I mean, yeah. if, if anything, the one of the greatest parts about rewatching this movie is seeing so many actors that we love, and maybe seeing them in. I mean, it is a really iconic role, but also in these kind of. A little bit silly roles. Yes, a little bit silly. Interesting situations. Yeah. Silly situations, even. Yeah. So, nice. Well, I mean, I'll just keep going because I usually do anyway. (laughs) Um, The first film that Miramax fully financed 
uh, won the Palme d'Or Golden Palm at the 1994 Cannes Film Festival, nominated for seven Oscars, including Best Picture and one Best Original Screenplay. It earned, oh my god, my handwriting is atrocious. It earned Travolta, Jackson, and Thurman Academy Award nominations and revitalized and or elevated their careers, which that is true. Like, it's amazing how it skyrocketed Travolta's career again, because he oh, yeah. was like, Bork. That's why um, the one um, spoiler no context that I posted was kind of appropriate. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, definitely. Yeah. Um, widely regarded as Tarantino's masterpiece with particular praise for its screenwriting. Um, considered a touchstone of postmodern mm-hmm. film and cultural watershed, influencing movies and other media that adapted elements of its style. Um, 2008, Entertainment Weekly named it the best film since 1983, and it has appeared on many critics' lists of the greatest films ever made. I didn't even write down how many that it came up on, because there are so so many. many. Um, In 2013, Pulp Fiction was selected for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I definitely wanted to kind of point out <clears throat> sorry <laughs> we both cleared our yeah. at the same time too um one of the things that a lot of critics would say i think about pulp fiction is it can be kind of disjointed i mean anytime you take a whole bunch of different uh stories and you bring them to together or whatever out of order <laughs> exactly <Yep. laughs> um it, it can be confusing and you know or people are saying oh well that movie is just so campy and you know I've heard people talk about Tarantino in general and about like yeah. he's just like so dramatic and overdone and or he like overdoes stuff and I know <laughs> that's just like, who he is as a person. <laughs> exactly. Like he's just he's brilliant. Um but I was also curious about where the title came from. Okay. So I ended up looking it up and it said the film's title refers to the pulp magazines and hard boiled crime novels popular during the mid twentieth century, known for their graphic violence and punchy dialogue. So, you know, right. we were talking about all the the quotes and everything. Like, there's a reason why that's done that way. Yeah. Um, so it says it's named Pulp Fiction because it's a pulp magazine kind of story. Right. Um, which, Makes I guess, sense. it gave me a greater appreciation okay. for it, um, knowing that there was a method to his madness. And I think that's one thing that people don't quite understand about Tarantino unless they are really like a film lover is there is always a method behind his madness. It just sometimes takes a little bit of digging to find it. I know. (laughs) Oh, Jen, do you want to tell them what what I'm holding in my lap right now? Oh my God, you guys. You hear this? Wait, 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 wait. Here, we'll give it away. She has her notes. I remembered my fucking notes. <laughs> it's amazing. She I'm never. Gonna, I'm gonna notes. take a picture of it too because, like, yeah, no, you color coded your notes. I did. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I was in it to win it this week, guys. I think I'd be embarrassed to take a picture of my notes and post it anywhere. Um, me too. I mean, my my writing is atrocious. I mean, it just it's not that bad. It, <laughs> it's not. You haven't you seen my East of Eden notes. <laughs> okay, well, maybe that might be bad. Yeah, that one <gasps> I was just gave away the next one. Oh, well. All right. Well. <laughs> Surprise ruined. I Let's mean, see who was paying attention. I could. T- <laughs> I could. Oh, you know what? How about this? If 
Okay, if you are listeners, the first person to listen to this episode and DM us what movie we just slipped up and told, um, we will send you a Not So Minnesota Nice podcast shot glass. There we go. That's awesome. That's a good giveaway for Pulp Fiction, too. There we go. But only one winner. And you have to listen to the episode. I think I know who it's going to be. <laughs> oh. And are uh, maybe our families discluded from this? Maybe. Um. Anybody who lives with us. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyone in the household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Significant others cannot apply. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That's even better. <laughs> they're they're a part of the team. They're a part of the team. They're gonna know those yes. jerks. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So, um. Wow, I lost track of where I was. Oh, so for this movie. Tarantino lived in Amsterdam for three months, plotting and writing in notebooks, which were would eventually be brought back to Linda Chen, who's the typist who typed the screenplay up, right? Yeah, and it took him, um, what, three months to write it? Three months to write it in Amsterdam in notebooks. Yes. So he had, like, a bunch of notebooks Just- with his... Okay, Tarantino is functionally illiterate. So, like, I can't imagine being Linda Chen. And having and to decode to that. Yeah, like, yeah. trying to do it. And she did. Got too loud. In an interview with, um, uh, there's an article in Vanity Fair that I was reading, actually, which is kind of a funny magazine for it to be in, but whatever. Should I wait? No, I'm just, I'm just yelling at it. We're no, good. It's fine. I just want some silence to be able to take it out. Okay. In this <laughs> yeah, article we'll I was reading, um, had an interview with Linda Chen in it, and, um, she was talking about, you know, having all these notebooks to decipher. She was actually house sitting and dog sitting some movie stars like Dog and House in Beverly Hills. And when he came back from Amsterdam and during this whole process, she invited him to stay with her there because he had nowhere else to go, I guess. <laughs> and then they could collaborate more closely on this whole thing. Um, you know, she's, she's talking about it. And, um, she actually had a rabbit that was named Honey Bunny that tarantino played homage to mm-hmm. and homage to it in the movie mm-hmm. and like a whole bunch of stuff and um yeah it's pretty cool actually the the interview with her was neat and then they went on to other other uh aspects of the writing process but like stuff uh some drama with roger avery and i don't know <laughs> yeah it's a good article yeah there's a lot of um interesting articles that came up when we were doing research for this yeah. For sure. Well, yeah, there's so many, there's so much on this movie because it's more recent. Yes. And you have a lot more of the more modern critics who are tearing it apart. Unlike, like, in the 50s, yeah, they had critics that tear it apart, but there only so much gets actually and, posted. And there wasn't social media. And there wasn't anything on the there wasn't, online. There wasn't a, yeah. a very broad range of medias i should say because you know it was basically right. you know newspapers and you know written TV articles <laughs> yeah, yeah written articles and oh. yeah crazy <laughs> i don't yeah i don't know who got too loud <laughs> um <laughs> and then um the other thing i was looking into was the music because that's one of the things that we you know do our ratings on is the soundtrack anyway and this one has such a eclectically awesome I, soundtrack yeah i literally just wrote great 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 soundtrack there at the bottom <laughs> like the i bottom. was just like we're, we're gonna talk we're about it <clears throat> all right like we know this one's gonna end up scoring high for whether it should or, or not because of the soundtrack and because of the way our ratings are 
Um, <laughs> wow, there's that. <laughs> um, album reached number 21 on Billboard 200, uh, rock and roll, surf music, pop, soul, country, non-traditional, three tracks of dialogue, only four tracks dialogue followed by music, seven songs in the movie not included on the soundtrack. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the Orange County Register described why the soundtrack of Pulp Fiction stood out from all the others. Unlike so many soundtracks, which just seem to be repositories for stray songs by hit acts, regardless of whether they fit in the film's mood, Tarantino's use of music in Reservoir Dogs' Pulp Fiction explored the brash, technicolor pulp culture intensity that mirrored the stories in his telling. Tarantino is notorious for his body of work strategy, including music, movie, advertising, etc. Which is really cool. Did you write down where you got that specific fact from wikipedia oh it's amazing just because like whoever wrote that sentence was amazing <laughs> yes yeah. like i appreciate yep that yeah well it's from the orange county register but yeah okay yes. got it from wikipedia mm-hmm. um yeah and then um surf rock resurfaced after this came out and was used for everything in commercials through the early and mid 90s which i had forgotten about but then remembered as i'm like reading this i'm like oh my god that's true right that's so true yeah, I mean, the movie ended up being super iconic. Oh, definitely. It changed a whole lot of as stuff. As much as we didn't want, want it to, as we were rewatching it, possibly. Well, because it stemmed such creativity. Um, One of the things in, I don't remember which article it was, but they were talking about, uh, Ebert was talking about how this film is so awesome because it rubs the noses. It's one of those films you want to rub the noses of all of the like cookie cutter type directors <laughs> in and be yeah. like, no, bad, you know, for your stupid. This is what we want is something that's exactly. going to stir it up. You want to break the mold. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's. That's not there's, his direct quote, my bad. <laughs> there's so many. I think the, what Tarantino did so well was he took all of these, uh, this, these slight stereotypes from all of history like film history (laughs) and he kind of he pushed the boundary he took it to the extreme he shoved that fucking boundary (laughs) exactly he was just like uh nope done unsubscribe (laughs) um and that that makes that makes it that much more more powerful right um but knowing Tarantino, obviously not on a personal level, but knowing his his work and and knowing kind of his history and everything, right. there are, I have so many more questions as an adult <laughs> rewatching it than I did when I was younger. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm kind of glad that I kind of I don't know looked at it from a what they did wrong aspect because. Right. It made it that much more funny. <laughs> okay, like um, the scene where Mia and Vincent are in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking at the menus and they're ordering just like a, a whole bunch of shit. Yeah, they're really fucked up on drugs, <laughs> and like the kind of drugs that don't make you hungry. It's not like they right. like sat down and smoked a whole bunch of pot and then went to the restaurant. Right? Like how how are they so hungry? Maybe they're not hungry and they're just going with the whole social norm of you have to order since you're in a restaurant. Because you, they don't, I mean, they don't why eat would a ton or- when they get their food either. They just try the milkshake. Why, well, <laughs> why would you waste your money to order all of it then? 
they have like to keep up experience or like appearances order some like fries in your milkshake because i mean plus i mean they have money true so like you're not thinking about what you're ordering you're just ordering to order yeah i don't know and how fucking racist were the milkshake themes well, I mean, <laughs> for the whole theme, though, that makes sense. I know, but it that of was the one of the things that was a little <laughs> bit harder to watch now. Yeah. And looking at our ratings and, like, would it hold up today? And it's like, oh, God, that was... Mm. Yeah. I suppose. But um, one of the really fun, not-so-fun parts is two <laughs> minutes of opening credits. Yeah. That's... Just- that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> the whole opening sequence with them in the restaurant, iconic as it is, is such a weird opener for a movie. It is. And they're like talking about robbing the diner. And other things that they do. Like right done. in the middle of a diner. Right. That they're about to rob. Oh, but how much right of uh... after they call the guy over to order. <laughs> girl. Oh, girl. Son, yeah, sorry. Boy. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but like... I, yeah, that that part was a, a little confusing, for sure. Well, and it, it does draw attention to how much we don't pay attention to what's going on around us when we're eating food or in a restaurant or diner or when we're doing what we do on our daily lives. That's true. Because how, I mean, often do people actually, I mean, I eavesdrop I on my conversations, like but that's because <laughs> of my anxiety. Like, I hate mm-hmm. noises going on around me, so I tend to focus on everything at once. Right. But a whole lot of people don't do that. They just focus on what's in front of them. And that was, I mean, that was a very... I guess putting in that perspective, Artistic way to put that, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Yeah. No, I like that. That's actually very smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have moments. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How much do we love Samuel L. Jackson in this movie? Oh, my God. I... I love that his character stays consistent through the film, even with his own self-discovery and journey. However, I hate how much he swears in general. And that movie is so fucking hard to deal with because every other word of his mouth is a swear word. However, say what again? Favorite thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, like I... I just love him. Yeah, like, and I agree when, like, every other word is the F word. It's hard to actually pay attention to what he's saying if all you hear is swearing. Exactly. Like, even on the podcast, like, we we try to hold some of it back. Maybe not on this one because we're talking about Pulp Fiction. But, uh, yeah, it can get distracting. But I just I loved him. He's so great. <laughs> he is great. Even um, Travolta did a very good job in this movie, considering his previous roles. Yes. Like, it opened up a whole new venue of stuff for him. And I know we talked about that already. Well, because it's sometimes so hard for when an actor gets typecasted to yeah. to break out of that. Yeah. And so for him to get the opportunity to play Vincent, like, that yeah. was perfect. Like, wow, okay. Right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so much good stuff. So much um, one thing that's always kind of bugged me, though, is are there no cops? Like, when they're in Brett's apartment and they're, like, unloading rounds into Brett and, you know, they shoot the guy on the couch right. and they're sitting there screaming. Like. No, there's is no one else in the home in the apartment complex to call the cops or does the cops just have terrible response time? Because, like, literally in the entire movie, there are times when there's just, like, screaming or gunshots and... Or running over lawns and hitting trees. And there's just not a cop to be seen. I guess it would depend on the area, too, and how, how they're 
would respond to certain things. But yeah, no, there aren't any police in them. Right. So, meh. Yeah, that's I mean, that's one of those things. But that, that happens a lot in movies. You're like, really, true. really, yeah, really. But like in this one in, in particular, it's just like... <laughs> or they respond way too fast and you're like, what? Right. <laughs> like, were y'all that store having tea? <laughs> right. That happens in TV shows, especially crime drama TV shows all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that, no. I'm like, no, no. Um, another thing, because of the whole, like, drug aspect, when Vincent's in the car after doing heroin, like, it's supposed to be, like, super strong heroin, right? Is he, like, Superman? Like, he's able to drive? I don't know, because, like, I, like I've watched that documentary, like, right. Dirt or whatever. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't uh, know if that was accurate. <laughs> Oh, there's a whole... Well, at least they got her her snorting heroin thing pretty much like that. Yep. No, because that, <laughs> that even that bothered me. If, like, she is supposed to be this, like, druggie, how does she not know that it's... She's doing bumps of cocaine. She's not doing anything that severe. I suppose. So when you have something that severe after just doing some coke, that's a pretty good... And, like, you're gonna have problems. <laughs> Like, yeah. Bad problems. Like, you know, dying. Well, no, like, I just don't understand, like, how she was, how she didn't know that it was heroin. Oh, that's, that's a good question. Cause they don't, like, cause she's, like, running in the same circles as all these people. Right. So, like, when she's, like, picking it up and looking at it, like, oh, what's this? And then she starts breaking up into lines. I'm like, you would know that that's not. How drunk or high were you already that you couldn't figure See, that maybe, out? See, maybe, and maybe that's, maybe that's the angle that he was going at with that, but. There, I mean, oh my god, though, the okay. scene where they they bring her back with the like the adrenaline the shot, yeah. oh, <laughs> most intense scene of like all cinema, and then she freaking wakes up and says a dag joke, basically, like say something, something, something. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like I love you. <laughs> yeah, like there's those little moments about oh, Mia yeah. that really, I don't know, I kind of resonated with, like when her and Vincent are in the restaurant and he's trying to get her to tell the one joke. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want to. Like, I would be embarrassed. Right. Like, I totally get that. Like, I'm, I would always be afraid that I was going to mess up the, the punchline or something. Right. Like, so, okay, like, you know. I don't know. And even, you know, the dad joke part was super relatable for sure. <laughs> and then she ends up, you know, telling the joke later. Which I'm just going to say became something we told everybody all Is the time for how long. I still love it. <laughs> and then, like, the whole, like, uh, the whole scene or, like, the whole moment whenever she's telling the joke just, like, kind of just makes it that much funnier. Right. <laughs> like, she's just, like, was dead a second ago, basically. Right. And they're both just done with the like, night. Like, fine, I'll tell you the fucking joke. <laughs> Their whole dance sequence is pretty neat. There's actually a video that of two choreographers that do a whole bunch of different films that picked apart their whole dance scene and did a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. Explaining, you know, what the, what Tarantino was trying to do with the feminine moves and stuff and, like... That like cat like stuff with Mia, and then how they feed off of each other, and then you know their faces stay completely stern. Yeah, through the whole thing, and it's really neat the whole pick apart thing. So if you get a chance, check it out. I'll see if I can find the link. Yeah, we can post that. Post mm-hmm. it on the. I wish I would have wrote down more of what she said, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wrote down a lot of fucking facts. That's true. I think the only other one that I really had was. Um, I love all the actors, but I can't stand the golden watch plot line. Oh gosh, yeah, with the fighter and the, the I, it just it's 
out of the like it's just it's, one of those it's like too random, random like the movie didn't need it um and there's a lot of time inconsistencies if you really want to get super technical like he couldn't have made it back before the flight it, it, right it just it's always just kind of bothered okay. me a little bit and i remembered it randomly um See, i love christopher walken so much and he did such a freaking great job with that whole thing he's amazing i mean that's so like that's what i always remember on exactly it. And, like, and that's why like i love the actors and, and yeah. that whole plot but it just it's just it's unnecessary it's for the disjointed movie. yeah I, I almost feel like it should have been like a short that they added to the like dvd deleted scenes <laughs> almost i don't know deleted plot line um <laughs> And the fact that Vincent, like, totals his car whenever they're trying, when he's trying to save Mia. Yeah. And then it just, like, it's perfectly fine and drives fine right afterwards. <laughs> Did you not? Is it? I didn't even catch that, like, when they drop, when he drops her off, if it's fine or not. I didn't even look. <laughs> yeah, I've been pretty sure it, it was. Yeah. Because, like, whenever, you know, they're getting out of the car or whatever, it's, like, all the way up, like, the front left of the car. Like, I, I don't think it should have been able to drive after that, even. <laughs> Okay. But, I mean, whatever. Those old cars, though. they're Cinema, true. They're pretty sturdy. Right? So who knows? No, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I mean, this the, the biggest thing to remember, too, besides the whole disjointed story thing, is the budget for this was not big. Exactly. And with the big stars that are in it, how much well, cinematography I mean, can I mean, you they're do? big stars now, but how big were most of them in the 90s? Some of them were pretty big. Some of them, yeah. Not all of them, obviously. And how many of them but, are friends with Tarantino? But, like, oh, that's true. Right? Although, before this, I don't know. That'd be something to look into. Yeah. Your computer's talking to us again. It is. Do-do-do-do. <laughs> Should we do our ratings? What do we have? 30 minutes. Holy crap. I know. All right, yes, we should do our ratings. All right, what's the first one? <clears throat> Iconic characters. Oh, shit. Nine. Dun, dun. I was going to go with eight, so that works. Iconic scenes. Nine. <laughs> I'm going to go with the ten. <laughs> I still quote some of that shit. <laughs> uh Soundtrack. Ten. Ten. <laughs> Longevity. Okay, so this one's hard. It is. Because it's not because, that like, old. It's not that old, and a lot of the 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 more sensitive topics discussed, like because they're glorifying drug use, um, one might argue that they're showing uh, the true side of it, like her dying or whatever. Right. So I'm really conflicted. Oh, that's it. That was another thing. So Disney owned owned Miramax when this was coming out. So the, they had to run the screenplay play by James. I don't remember his name. Anyway, the one guy with the eyes and the nose. Yeah, and the, and the, and the face. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and the only thing because they were so concerned about you know that it not being not that they needed his approval to run with it, but like for financing purposes and everything else. Anyway, yeah. um, the one thing that he said was, can you tone down the heroin sequence? Mm -hmm. That was it. So I don't know if they actually did or not or what, but that was yeah. the one thing he said. And but they he also mentioned that it's very, very real and he liked that. So, so I'm gonna say eight because I'm being stubborn. Okay. I think longevity-wise, it's last that cultural touchstone 
it is, although it is harder to watch now because of the things we have going on. I mean, this this was still, what, 15 years ago? More than 15 years ago now. Yeah. No, 15 years ago because 94. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can math. Um, <laughs> I can. I just second guess myself. Um, you know, some of that is it's it's hard to, you know, they wouldn't be able to do a remake ever. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even 40 years from now, they'd be like, nope, can't remake that. So, like, there's that, but will it still stand the test of time then? I don't know if it would. Um, I think that whole cultural touchstone thing is definitely a thing, and you will, like, I'll always have a respect for that. Like, it spawned so much, and Tarantino is brilliant. But that's, it then become, like, historically accurate, because it does somewhat document, like, a true point in time there it does well and that's why it's in the thing you know being historically and culturally significant right and aesthetically significant yeah aesthetically um i don't know i think i'm still gonna go with a seven on this see and i was just like contemplating changing mine to a seven because you're right like they would not remake this yeah no i want to be a front to everything too they couldn't exactly so yeah, seven's good. You want to change mine to a seven? I did. Okay, good. <laughs> so you said I wanted to change mine, I was like, cross out seven. Yeah, but. same brain moment. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right, so that's a hard one because you, you do want it. Like, is this something that I might actually watch with my kids when they're old enough to watch it? Maybe. Just to be like, eh, this <laughs> is fun. Right. <laughs> but I'm more likely, honestly, more likely to show them something like Reservoir Dogs or From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, if absolutely. I'm going into you know Tarantino's work, it's yeah. a great movie. It's a great piece artistically, but it's not necessarily something I'd pass on. You know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yay, we made it. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, thanks so much for listening, guys. Remember that at some point in this episode, there was a possible shot glass giveaway, and please, 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 uh, go on our Twitter or Facebook at NSMN Pod. Uh, to find those teas for our tea campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is going for two weeks. The other one is going for 20 days. If we can, you know, sell the amount of shirts, then they'll print and ship and it'll be great. And we'll be able to not only get a new mixer, but also maybe update a website and, yeah. and get some more exciting things going on. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Thank you. Clink.